Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, October 26, 2018. Welcome back to the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we promised actual basketball conversations for this podcast on the previous podcast. No scandal stuff. So, Norlander, can we talk actual basketball stuff like dunks and made three-pointers and rankings and whatnot? Can we get so into these rankings right now? I'm very eager to do this, and I am – I'm so genuinely excited for the start of the season. I told this to someone earlier this week. Every October, mid to late October every year, I, I always say, you know, the games can't get here soon enough. I have never felt that sentiment more, honestly, than this season. Extremely excited. I think there's a lot of cool things to look forward to uh, with college hoops this season. So, yeah, man, let's let's just get into, uh, you know, just amping up the season as it gets going and, and talking about uh, the teams, the rankings, all that good stuff. So the AP poll is now out. Uh, we've known that for a while. Coaches poll came out this week. Norlander's 353 rankings came out this week. Ken Palm ratings came out last weekend. And Kansas is number one in each of those things. I still have Kentucky, number one in the top 25 and one. But like I've explained many times, both here and you know in columns, I'm totally fine with, with Kansas being number one, even without Silvio D'Souza. And nothing that happened in last night's exhibition Makes me think otherwise. Kansas played inside Allen Fieldhouse. They beat Emporia State 93-55. Diedrich Lawson, the transfer from Memphis, who we have as a top five player in America, hit 31 points, 15 rebounds. He was 11 of 16 from the field. I don't know if you saw the co- uh, quote from the Emporia State coach, but he was like, he's going to be a massive nightmare uh, throughout the Big 12 this season. So I'm sure we'll be talking about him as the season draws closer. Looking forward to seeing him. Uh, at the Champions Classic, 11 days from now, you'll be there, I'll be there, we'll be there together. But what I wanted to open on is a team that that is unranked basically everywhere, and that's Loyola Chicago. I don't have them in my top 26. They're not in the AP poll or coaches poll. You have them 63rd. Uh, Ken Palm has them 67th. And some college basketball writers have taken great offense to this. I think Pat Forty is driving the Loyola train. And, and let me be clear, if you're ranking Loyola, it's fine with me. It's sensible on some level, I guess. They are coming off a of Final Four. But but here's the truth about Loyola. And I, I made this point like last April when I initially did the very early uh, preseason top 25 and 1, is that just because they were coming off a of Final Four, like doesn't mean they're bringing back a Final Four team. They lose Andre Jackson. They lose Dante Ingram. They lose Ben Richardson. So they lost their third, fourth, and sixth leading scores which includes their top rebounder and the player who made the most threes on the roster last season. Three of the top six scores gone, and they finished 31st at Kimpom last season. They were never in Kimpom's top 25 at any point, even during the final four run. So I guess my question, and I know you agree with me here because like you, you've you got them 63rd in your uh, 353 rankings. I just don't understand why some people can't understand why Loyola Chicago is unranked by most, given that they lost three of the top six scores from a ton, from a yeah team that made the Final Four, but a team that was not a top 25 team last season. How do you lose three of the top six scores from a non-top 25 team and somehow become a top 25 team? That makes sense to me. It doesn't. And, you know, full transparency, when I do my 1-353, to 353, they almost always come out before the Kempom rankings come out. This year, that didn't happen. I actually had not even really looked at the Palm rankings so far, so I was unaware that it's just pure coincidence that they are, you said, 68th, 67th, and I've got them 63rd. That makes me feel a little bit better, Parrish, to be honest. Um, uh, I don't even think Loyola is going to be the best team in the Valley, and that's not just opinion. That's 
statistical research, talking to multiple Valley coaches, you know, in the previous six weeks about what to expect, there is a feeling that both Loyola, Chicago, and Illinois State can be good enough to get into the NCAA tournament this season, and that would be great for the Missouri Valley, and frankly, that'd be great for college basketball. It would be awesome if you had Loyola get back in 2019, and if you had Illinois State finally break through. To me, even though Clayton Custer is the reigning Missouri Valley Player of the Year, the best talent in the league is probably Malik Yarbrough at Illinois State. And he, if he can uh, keep himself on the straight and narrow, I think he'll prove that this season. But I think Parrish, because Loyola was such an awesome story, and it was awesome, and nothing but great things continually to say about Sister Jean, I won't reject. If she becomes a thing as the season goes on, you won't hear me get cynical about that because I think some people actually started to, started to get really cynical and got sick of it as, uh, as Loyola made the Final Four. I'm all for it, but they lose a lot of really big pieces, okay? You, you mentioned that. And the fact that they never, from a rankings, even, you know, Sager and Massey, LMRC, Ken Palm, all of like they did not elevate to that high of a point. They were good last season. I maintain that they were they were good and should have been in the tournament if they hadn't gone to the auto bid. Many people believe that wouldn't have happened. Um, there's still a difference between that and being a top 25 team. If you're an AP voter, and they did receive plenty of votes, like they're knocking on the door of being in the preseason poll. I get it. Um, if you think that because of what they did in the tournament, it, it propels them forward in the preseason and validates them, um, or if you're the kind of voter... Or, or fan, frankly, that thinks, listen, if you're a mid-major team, it's hard enough to get into the rankings, and rankings mean so much to those programs and, by proxy, their conferences. I don't reject that either, but frankly, I try and objectively, as best I can, rank how I think the teams will shake out start to finish uh, at the end of the season. And that's why you'll often see mid-major teams ranked below power conference teams that still won't get into the NCAA tournament because it's my feeling if those teams played on a neutral floor more times than not, the team I have ranked higher would win more games. So that's why I've got Loyola down at 63. I've got Illinois State a little bit above them at 54. Um, but I, I, I just can't see the Ramblers as top 25 material just yet. I'll eat my words if they start off hot. We've already talked about their scheduling issues in the non-con. We went over that about a month ago when I talked to Porter Moser. That's a totally different thing in terms of who they could and couldn't schedule. I'm looking at quality of team overall. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be easily one of the 10 best teams from a mid-major league. I just don't see them as top 50 material in 2018-2019. No, I'm with you. Like, Listen, uh, you know, I when I do my first bowl text column in a few weeks, I'm not going to uh, take aim at uh, some AP voter who is ranking Loyola Chicago, unless of course they lose their opener to UMKC uh, or lose their second game on November 9th to Furman, and then on the following Monday somebody's still ranking Loyola Chicago. Then you then you get what you get. But uh, ranking uh, zero and zero Loyola Chicago in the top 25, fine with me. Whatever. Like you know, schools like that really um, appreciate the attention. And so I, I'm not, I'm fine with them getting the attention. Like you said, that run to the Final Four um, was was awesome last season. One of the best, if not the best, stories in the entire NCAA tournament. Um, I take no issue with anybody ranking Loyal Chicago. The only thing I take issue with is like people acting like it's some sort of. Uh, uh, you know, like like you're uh, sliding Loyola Chicago to not rank them, or that you're ignoring something other than what we both said um, to not rank Loyola Chicago. The truth is, the reason I, I'm not ranking Loyola Chicago, and you're not ranking Loyola Chicago, and most AP voters and coaches via the coaches poll aren't ranking Loyola Chicago, is because um, they went to the Final Four. They were not one of the four best teams in the country. 
They went to the Elite Eight. They were not one of the eight best teams in the country. They went to the Sweet 16. They were not one of the sweet, uh, 16 best teams in the country. They were a borderline top 25 team last season. That's what the computers show. That got hot at the right time and made this incredible run. And then they lost three of the top six scores from that team. And it's not like they went out and enrolled the top 10 recruiting class with some five-star freshman. That ain't the way it works at Loyola Chicago. So I think they can be good. I'll take it a step further. I think they can be better than than what you project and what Kimpom projects. But I do not think that they ought to be ranked in the preseason of a top 25 poll. And I don't see how anybody could act like it's um, it's it's a voting malpractice to leave them off a ballot. And I'll remind people that we wouldn't even be talking about Loyola under these circumstances if they don't hit the buzzer beater against Miami in the first round, if they don't do the same against Tennessee in the second round, and probably if they can't get out with another one-possession win against Nevada in an epic Sweet 16 game. So credit to the team for winning, and it speaks to certainly quality of team. But there, there is a, a, a certain element of luck involved in that as well. And if the ball just doesn't bounce quite the right way, we're not discussing loyal under these terms. So we also need to take that into account. Even if, and by the way, if, if they had lost to Miami in the first round, I still think I would have Loyola as a preseason top 75 team. So I'm not trying to be swayed one way or the other. But if you're all in on the Ramblers being top 25, or even if you want to extend it a little bit further and say top 30, uh, would you be saying that if they had lost in the first weekend of the tournament? I suspect not. And if you want to say, listen, that's because specifically I'm putting a lot of weight on the fact of the teams they beat and the fact that they romped Kansas State, which is highly ranked in the preseason. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a lot of stock into that. By all means, go for it. I'd love to see Loyola start off hot. They'd be a great storyline for us to talk about and write about for college hoops this season. But I'm just going to wait and see how they can do after losing three very important players. Ingram, by the way, who I love. Now, they do get Custer's back. He's awesome. Marcus Towns, I actually think, can be better than Custer this season. We'll see. And Crutwig, you know, he's his own deal. He, he, you watch him play, he, he is out of like a 1966 highlight reel. Um, very fine players, but the fact that they lose Richardson, I've got concerns about undoubtedly, and uh, and we'll see where we go. So I'm glad we started on this because uh, it's not often we start a podcast talking about a mid-major program, but we did it. And I thought we were doing it just because it's not like a lot of mid-major fans, they're always constantly – uh, and I don't really want to piss off NHL fans, but they're they're looking for validation like constantly. It's, it, it, but we try and bring the discussion where we think it rationally should be. And sometimes we're gonna we're gonna stump for the mid majors if they're trying to get into the tournament through at larges. And uh, other times, you know, I think they're if we're gonna treat them with the respect that the programs are owed, then they can be you know targets of some criticism or at least just a little bit of a pumping of the brakes. And I think that's the case with Loyola here. Yeah, and really not even a criticism. Like there, it's a it's a, a hell of a program that had a hell of a run last season and should be good again this season. Like, congrats. Um, but it's not crazy. Like, if you're a Loyola fan who's out there uh, frustrated because you feel like your team's not getting proper respect, even after coming off of a Final Four, like you just you just got it wrong. I mean, this team is being evaluated the same way every other team is being evaluated. What'd you do last season? What'd you lose? What'd you bring back? What'd you enroll? That's how you evaluate teams. And when you um, ask those questions about Loyola Chicago, what you get is very good team, but not a top 25 team last season, according to the computers. 
that that they got hot. Uh, they they win some buzzer beaters. They go to a Final Four and they lose three of their top six scores, plus the including the top rebounder, including the guy who made the most threes on the roster. And they didn't enroll some difference maker, at least not one on paper. So like it very reasonable to leave them unranked. I want to stay uh, on rankings because I decided to uh, create some questions for us where we can have discussions about various teams to see where the conversation goes as opposed to deciding before we even hit record, we're going to talk about Kentucky, we're going to talk about Duke, we're going to talk about Kansas. And so here's what I wanted to do. First question. The AP poll is out, so that means we've got a preseason top 25 from Associated Press voters, and I went back and looked at last season's preseason AP poll, and three teams that were ranked in the top 15 did not make the NCAA tournament. Now, there's two ways to look at that, right? There's three teams didn't do it, but there's like 12 of the 15 did, and uh, all of the top nine did. Uh, The ones that missed were number 10, USC, number 14, Notre Dame, and number 15, Minnesota. And what's interesting about that is that they all missed for obvious reasons. USC lost players to the FBI investigation. Notre Dame lost uh, Bonzi Colson for a significant amount of time. Minnesota lost, I believe, four of its top six players. So I think that's that's probably good news for any preseason top 15 team. Like, unless you have to suspend somebody or dismiss somebody or – you lose somebody to to injuries or multiple players for whatever reason, um, you're probably going to make the NCAA tournament. That's what last year showed, at, at least. Uh, but either way, uh, Kansas, Kentucky, Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, North Carolina, Villanova, Michigan State, Auburn, Kansas State, West Virginia, Oregon, and Virginia Tech make up this preseason's top 15 from the AP poll. Norlander, if I asked you to predict at least one team from that group in the top 15 that will not make the 2019 NCAA tournament, what team would you go with? To me, Parrish, it seems like there's one obvious pick. And if we, if, if I was to ask you the same thing, I'm guessing we might land on the same team. For me, that team is West Virginia. Would you agree or do you have someone else in mind? For me, the team's Kansas State. Really interesting. Okay, I'll I'll say why West Virginia, then you can uh, give me why Kansas State. Because I'm I'm fairly in on Kansas State this year. Um, West Virginia loses arguably the best defender in the sport, and Javon Carter, who was awesome. Uh, Daxter Miles Jr. was a solid solid shooter, and and really played well alongside of Carter. And while they bring back a lot here, um, you know, even Bob Huggins said that. He has had few, if any, players in his career, which is going to be a Hall of Fame career, I believe, at some point eventually, that were of the mold of Javon Carter. And you're very familiar with him, even more so now, as he's a member of the Grit and the Grind there in Memphis. So I'm weighing on Saga Bacanate. Asa Ahmad is set up to be a pretty good player this year, although I kind of want to see it. I'm not, I wasn't as in on him in our top 101 player rankings as, as all of the other voters at, uh, that we had here at, there at CBSSports.com. So West Virginia would be my pick, and I say that, like, we look at this, and it's hard to say that any of these teams would miss, but they would be my most vulnerable, vulnerable one. K-State 12 in the AP. You have got K-State also 12 in your rankings, I believe, but they're your pick. Why do you think that they are the most vulnerable team out there? Like, look, obviously, I, I think they're good. I mean, I've got them ranked in my top 15. But if we got to pick a team that might prove unworthy of that, I'll go with a team that lost 12 games last season and finished 42nd at Ken Palm. I, I know they bring back most of, 
of the important pieces uh, from that team that played in the Elite Eight. They are the team that lost to Loyola Chicago in the Elite Eight. But, uh, again, they finished 25-12 and 12 overall, just 10-8 and eight in the Big 12, 42nd at Ken Palm, and there was never a point last season, not in November, December, January, February, March, or April, when Kansas State registered as a top 25 team in the computers. So if you're looking for somebody that, 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 and, and, and this is again, like you, you go, okay, they went to the elite eight, they won 25 games. They bring back all the, you know, they bring back the important pieces. They're going to be good. And I think they will be, but you know, if they end up only, you know, being about what they were last season, which is, you know, borderline top 45 team, and being on the bubble, maybe even missing the NCAA tournament, I could, I could, I could envision that. As for West Virginia, um, I hear you. What I would say is that no matter who's left, who's enrolled, since Bob Huggins has committed to Press Virginia, he's never missed the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to go that that streak continues. Um, but Kansas State, if you're looking for one that's vulnerable, it, it might be them. Can we just real quick expand this to the preseason AP Top 25 poll um, and pick a one more team? That would be Q16, then Florida State, Mississippi State, Michigan, TCU, UCLA, Clemson, LSU, Purdue, Washington. Um, for me and that group, uh, I'm I'm very in on Washington. I have Purdue 40. I, uh, Purdue is my pick. I have them 44 in my 1 to 353. Boilermaker fans, I do hear you. Um Purdue would be my pick because I think Carson Edwards is going to be awesome. But I don't know how much better Nojel Eastern is going to get. Will Matt Harms, who's seven foot three and has ridiculously amazing hair, will he become a true force inside for Purdue? They can get there. And if you tell me, if you promise me right now that in the middle of February, Purdue is, is third in the Big Ten standings, I'm, I will believe you. But uh, I. I think there's still a lot on that roster that has to be proven. So I would say they are my most likely pick among the remaining teams. And then I would actually slot Mississippi State just behind them because that's just, I got to see it happen. They've been waiting for that team to be good. Hallen's had some talent. They haven't broken through. They should, but they would be my second pick behind Purdue. I I don't argue with Purdue. I mean, again, I've got them as a top 30 preseason team. Kim Palm's got them top 20. I I think they're going to be okay. But they did lose four starters. You know, like how many teams lose four starters without enrolling, you know, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and and just don't miss a beat, right? I mean, listen, Carson Edwards is terrific. Matt Painter is terrific. But it's one of those deals where you know how sometimes you look up in January or February and you go, oh, well, yeah, this team isn't as good as, as we thought it was going to be. And um, I can sort of see why. I, I like Northwestern was a good example of that last season. You know, everybody had Northwestern preseason top twenty-five, but if you went back and looked at what they actually did in the previous season, they were like they were good, but not great. And they snuck into the tournament, and they got a I don't want to say snuck into the tournament, they earned an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, and they brought back most of the pieces from that team, and so it was like, okay, maybe they'll take a jump from top forty to 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 top twenty-five. And they just didn't for a variety of reasons, some of which had something to do with like they had no home games in their home arena. I think that mattered. And so if we're looking for another candidate where you look up in mid-January and you go, God, this team's not as good as we thought. And when you look back on it, you can sort of see how they were overvalued. Maybe Purdue is that because, again, you lose four of your five starters. I don't care how good the one guy you bring back is. You've got some big questions. I mean, outside of Carson, 
basically everybody on that roster is going to be asked to 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 play a different role than they've ever played. That's just not easy in a in a league like the Big Ten. I agree. Um, okay, so what about teams that we think can overachieve? Because I know you wanted to get to uh, what outside the top twenty five with Final Four potential. Is that right? Well, uh, the other uh, I had here was a team outside of the top twenty that could make a Final Four. I have an because easy pick, we, yeah. we do get one of those often. Mm-hmm. We obviously had one last season in Loyola Chicago. A team outside of the 20 that if they're playing in the final weekend of uh, this upcoming season, it, 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 forget it'll be a great story, just that it won't be that surprising to you. Like, ooh, yeah, I, I, I sort of could see that, that, that you know, back in November, I could see that that team was, was on paper built to maybe go deep. Yeah, um, I was at Big East Media Day Thursday at Madison Square Garden. My nominee is out of that conference. Um, they were picked second by the coaches in the league. They should have a fantastic, arguably a top-five offense in America this season. Um, they lose one really, really good three-point shooter and return two more in Sam Hauser, Marcus Howard. My answer is Marquette. They, they bring back a ton. I think they are set up to to really be good this season. I've got them 27 in my rankings, and I've even got a little bit of regret over that because I've got St. John's 20. I do think St. John's will be a little bit better than Marquette, but I think in a tournament setting I trust Marquette more. Um, I think both of those teams have a really good shot to be top 25 teams when Selection Sunday comes around. So Steve Wojciechowski is and his Golden Eagles are my uh, my answer to that. I think they if they don't make the tournament, it would be a surprise, and it would be seriously disappointing for him. They've got a lot of good pieces, and Marcus Howard is a dark horse national player of the year candidate. If he is as good as he has shown and Marquette's awesome, then he absolutely can win that award. Mine's maybe LSU. They're ranked 23rd in the AP poll. And they weren't good last season, but you know they bring back one of the best guards in the country in Tremont Waters, and I can't wait for um, you know the, the nation to see him because what you do registers differently as a college basketball player if you're playing on a ranked team as opposed to an unranked team. Um, he's playing on a team that's ranked in the preseason top 25, but outside of the top 20. Uh, so you bring in Tremont Waters, and then you add two five-star prospects. Like that's the type of stuff that gives you the talent necessary. Uh, to to go deep in that tournament, and obviously it comes down to matchups and brawls and all that stuff. But if we look up and LSU is actually a top ten team in January, February, and then you know gets the seed uh, that makes it easier uh, than it otherwise would be to go deep into the bracket, that wouldn't surprise me. The other two that I got listed here, Indiana, and even Minnesota. We touched on Minnesota being a preseason top fifteen team uh, last season, and then like. You know, they, they lose a player because of sexual assault allegations. They lose uh, three other dudes because of injuries. Um, otherwise, I think they would have been good. And now I think they're undervalued. I talked to Richard Patino a couple weeks ago in Chicago at Big Ten Media Day, and he was like, "I am. people can pick us wherever they want to pick us. I feel good about my team. I'm paraphrasing, but like he thinks he's got a team that's bouncing back to the NCAA tournament. Jordan Murphy, obviously, the – uh, led the nation in double doubles last season. I-, I could see Minnesota being way better than than most people right now realize because, uh, based on the record from last season, they're undervalued. But they get they get a lot of these guys back now, 
And I, I think they're good. I, I bet you they finish higher in the Big Ten than most people think they're going to finish in the Big Ten. Sometimes it's annoying when we agree this much because I would like to uh, to to sprawl <laughs> to, to really go after you here and there. But Minnesota, I'm in on. I have them at 43, and I thought that would even be higher than most people expected. I think I voted Jordan Murphy third-team All-America for our preseason voting. Those awards, by the way, are scheduled to come out next week at CBSSports.com. You can see uh, who we have first, second, third-team All-American and all that good stuff. But, yes, Minnesota's got a really good shot. I think it actually being a top-three team in the Big Ten, they were – Disappointing last season, but with everything that they bring back, uh, I think I do think they're going to make a strong push. And the Big Ten overall, I think it's got a, a talented but but uh, chewy middle, if you will. I just think a lot of those teams, you could kind of flip them here or there or anywhere, and we uh, we really won't have an idea of how that league is going to set up until maybe mid-December, which is the case often with a lot of leagues. But the Big Ten in particular, I feel like it's Michigan State, then a pretty sizable gap, and then two to seven or eight. Really don't really know too much there. Um and I do like Minnesota personally um, to be r- pretty close to Indiana. I, I, I don't hate your pick there uh, either. Um, I, th- I think that the uh, the Hoosiers can be top 25 quality, and it's all about how Romeo Lankford and Juwan Morgan, who Juwan Morgan might be the Big Ten Player of the Year, by the way. If it's not Jordan Murphy or Cassius Winston or Carson Edwards, Juwan Morgan it should be right there. Um, Indiana staff told me he's by far – been the best player in practice leading up to the start of the season. Hoosiers got a shot. I have him in the top 25. So if you're a Big Ten fan, um, I think you're going to be plenty entertained because there's a lot of returning talent in the league. I, I talked to Archie at Big Ten Media Day a um, few few weeks weeks ago, and like same thing. He didn't say Jawan Morgan's our best player, but uh, one point I made was like Romeo is getting all of the attention, and deservedly so. He's an, a, a high school legend in Indiana probable lottery pick next June. But like Jawan Morgan's good. And they bring you know, like when you bring back somebody who's done as much at the high major level as he's done, like that's not something to uh disregard. And so you combine him with the other pieces they bring back and then a lottery talent like Romeo. Like I think that's a team that can that can I mean I've got him in the preseason top twenty five and one and um you know if, if again if we look up and they're actually in February a top 10 team as opposed to a borderline top 30 team um, that, that might make some sense based on the, uh, the talent on the roster. Um, you know, the, 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 the ability of arch and his staff. And then like, you know, uh, assembly hall is an incredible home court advantage when, when Indiana is, is rocking and rolling. The other thing I wanted to go through is, you know, we published our top 101 players list and, you know, it's got R.J. Barrett at the top, followed by Carson Edwards, followed by Luke May, Diedrich Lawson, and Caleb Martin. Um, if you go back and look at our preseason All-American teams from last season, they're actually pretty good. Like on the first team, we had Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., and Bonzi Colson. Michael obviously was hurt. Bonzi was hurt. Second team, Joel Berry, Grayson Allen, Alonzo Trier, Marvin Bagley, Ethan Happ. Bagley and Hap were both good. Trier missed a lot. Grayson was just like whatever. He was just – I mean, he's good, but he's just a guy on Duke's team. And Joel Berry wasn't actually great um, in his final year of college. At 13 was Landry Shamit, Javon Carter, Trayvon Blewett, Angel Degato, and DeAndre Ayton. So we probably had Ayton a little low because he was terrific. But but whatever. The, 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 the list held up pretty well. So – We've got our, our top 101. So I went through and I just found, and I, these will not be, I don't think, our first, second, third team All-Americans necessarily. But I went through and, and grabbed the top 15 players. And then the question will be, which of these guys do you think might be disappointing? 
Like, like we'll be good because I think if you're a top 15 player in the country preseason, uh, unless you get hurt, you're going to be good because you can't be ranked there unless you're you're already shown yourself to be good or you're an incredible, uh, you know, freshman talent. So the top 15 is this. R.J. Barrett, Carson Edwards, Luke May, Dedrick Lawson, Caleb Martin, Grant Williams, Ethan Happ, Shamori Pons, uh, Nasir Little, Tyus Battle, Tremont Waters, Mike Dom, Zion Williamson, Rui Hachimura, and Romeo Langford. If you had to pick one guy who won't sniff our postseason top 15 list, if we did one, who would it be? My pick is Naz Little at UNC um, for a few <laughs> reasons. Uh, and by the way, speaking of UNC, if you missed our trial podcast because you were just done with that, I, maybe we should just bring this up again. Uh, UNC is part of the CBS Sports Classic with Kentucky and UCLA and Ohio State. So if you are going to that, or if you live in Chicago, we are debating doing a live podcast the night before the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago. Let us know if that's something you'd be really interested in. Parrish brought this up on the previous podcast, but again, if you didn't listen because the trial stuff wore you out, we totally understand. I did want to bring it to your attention once more. We'd love to do it, but we want to know that people are going to actually want to show up to this kind of thing, and, um, and the listeners will be there. Be it because you're a fan, you're going to be in Chicago for this awesome event, or you live there, just let us know. Um, Naz Little is my pick because we have Luke May on the list as well, and he is set up to just be a more, more of a focal point for Carolina this season. And then they've got a freshman, Kobe White, who's going to have the ball in his hands more. And like Naz Little, I, I do think, has a really, really good shot at being a lottery pick. But in terms of if we have to pick one that we think is most likely not to be a top 15 college player of impact, he is by far my nominee of the months we have on the 15. And even then, he's not an easy one for me. But I would, uh, I would go with him just because he's got other really good pieces around him. I think Naz is going to be awesome. Wasn't he like the MVP of Jordan Brand and McDonald's game? I think so. And he is he is an awesome player. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I just I, I think Kobe White can be freaking incredible. And uh, that might just take a little bit of shine off of Naz. Yeah. And, like, I know some people scoffed at, you mentioned Luke May, at him being a top five player in the country. But, like, I, you know, because he doesn't look the part. He's not an NBA prospect. He's a former walk-on for crying out loud. But, like, he's a good college basketball player. Like a very good college basketball player. Like if you do what he did statistically, you know, for uh, you know, a top fifteen team last season in the ACC. Like I don't care what you look like or how high you can jump or what uh, NBA scouts think of you. You're a damn good college basketball player. So like Luke May's going to get a lot of the numbers at North Carolina, but I think there's enough to go around where Nasir Little is going to be great as well. My pick would be Rui. And I, I, I know every I, – like, I like him, and I think he'll be good. But, again, you got to pick somebody on the list that won't live up to it. You know, here's the fourth-leading scorer at Gonzaga last season. Do you really go from the fourth-leading scorer at Gonzaga to a top-15 player in the country? It's, it's a tough jump, Parrish. And to be honest, I – I am more likely to believe that Josh Perkins becomes an All-America if Gonzaga's a 1C just because of how much Josh Perkins will distribute and score. You you definitely have a point. Rui would probably be my number two candidate among those top 15. Right. Um, before we get out of here, um, you know, like I said, the Ken Palm ratings came out uh, last Saturday morning. And same deal. Like anytime pre- people, whether it's computer rankings in the preseason or human rankings in the preseason, there's a contingent of fans who love to explain to you how they don't mean anything. Sometimes coaches even say it. Nah, they don't mean anything. They actually do. Like, they're actually a pretty good indicator of 
of, of what is about to come in uh, the upcoming season. And so I went and did some research on it for a couple of different reasons. A, I was just interested. But B, you know, given that I host a radio show in Memphis, and Memphis was, I believe, 107th or 109th, something like that in the Kim Palm ratings. And Memphis fans took great offense to this because – you know, Penny Hardaway has said he expects to go to the NCAA tournament in year one, and 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 Memphis fans, um, I don't know if they expect it, but they're certainly hopeful for it. So then to see a ranking of like 107, 109 attached to you, it's like, whoa. I, I know you had Memphis much higher, I think, in the 80s, like maybe 83. Um, but I went and, and looked these things up. I thought this was pretty um, interesting that maybe people who follow college basketball closely enough to listen to a podcast in October um, would find interesting as well. Five of the teams that started in Ken Palm's top ten last season actually finished in the top ten. Nine of the teams that started in the top ten finished in the top 25, and all ten of the teams that started in the top ten finished in the top 30. So, like, don't tell me it doesn't mean anything. It's like it, it's, it's not spot on, but it's pretty damn close, right? Yeah, and we've talked in the past about the preseason AP Top 25 poll historically is, is fairly accurate. If you look at – Performance at season's end, NCAA tournament performance, it's obviously not pinpoint, and that's an impossibility, frankly. But our, our preconceived notions of, of the season prior based on you know what amazing freshmen come in, what really good players return, what coaches are coming back to their teams, we can get a, a pretty decent forecast of the season ahead. And so all 10 in the top 30, that's – I mean, All teams finished in the top 30. Here, here I'll, I'll run it through uh, run, run through it for you. Villanova was preseason number one at Kimpom. They obviously finished number one at Kimpom. Kentucky was preseason number two, finished 17th. Arizona was preseason number three, finished 28th. Wichita State was preseason number four, finished 21st. Kansas was preseason number five, finished ninth. Duke was preseason number six, finished third. West Virginia was preseason number seven, finished 12th. Florida was preseason number eight, finished 22nd. Virginia was preseason number nine, finished second. Uh, Michigan State was preseason number 10, finished sixth. Again, you're not going to hit it number on number, but in terms of a grouping tool, which is all I've ever um, used Ken Palm for, outside of the, the advanced statistics and all that stuff, but in terms of the rankings, I just think it's a terrific grouping tool, and the – you know, data from last season suggests that in the preseason it was. It was a pretty good grouping tool um, based on, uh, you, know, uh, you know, where, like, if you were supposed to be great last preseason, um, you were at the very least really good. Like, every team that started in the top 10 finished in the top 30, and five of the teams that started in the top 10 finished in the top 10. This was also interesting to me. Um, guess how many schools started outside of the top 100, and finished inside of the top 50. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like that's, big of a, that's that big of a jump. But guess I'd how many teams two. actually did it? I'd say two. What did you say? Two. Two. Only two schools that started outside of the top 100 finished in the top 50. You want to take a guess who they were? Loyola. Uh, Loyola, I don't think started this might be one of those things where i've already screwed it up uh, i actually don't think loyola started outside of the top 100 okay. no they started 93rd okay um i don't want to cheat here let me just think off the top i'll try and be fast with this who was a lot better uh you know what it was arizona state one of them no um because 
Arizona State. Let me look them up. Um, I don't think I missed anybody because I was researching it pretty thoroughly. Um, Arizona State. Okay, yeah, okay, this is one. They were actually 100. So that's the reason I, frame, I phrased it the way I did. It started outside of the top 100. They were 100th in the preseason. They finished 49th. And the only other one that I think might apply last year. See, I'm trying to remember what teams. It, ACC school, first-year coach. ACC school, first-year coach last. Oh, NC State. State went from 109 to 46. In the other one, they lost their McDonald's All-American after he left school in the preseason, and yet uh, they still finished in the top 50. Western Kentucky? But from 120 to 47. Wow. The only two schools that started outside of the top 100 in Kempom last season and finished in the top 50, NC State and Western Kentucky. What that means is that there was only one school in the entire country that started outside of the top 100 and received an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. That was NC State. Keep that so, in mind, yeah. So, like, you know, if you're outside of the top 100 now, and the reason I did all this research is because I was going to talk about it last Monday uh, on radio as it relates to Memphis. It's not impossible to be outside of the top 100 at Ken Palm and be so good that you earn an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, but it is rare. It's not impossible, but it's rare. It's rare. Um Real quick, so if you are, you know, if you haven't looked yet, my one to three fifty three is up. I want to get to just two teams that Parrish and I have pretty high, but we but we disagree on uh, to wrap up the pod. But before we get to that, Western Kentucky, I have forty five this year. Um, just a quick tour here. I've got UConn at sixty four. I think that might be a little bit higher than people think. I've got Louisville sixty five, which might be a little bit lower than people think. Uh, I've gotten some flack for putting Butler at 74. I like to take a, a few wild swings with this, either put teams a little bit higher or a little bit lower than, than some people expect. I dropped Missouri. Uh, I had to because they lost Jonte Porter um, for the season with an ACL and an MCL, which is just horrible luck for the program. Even worse for the family, obviously, Michael Porter Jr., uh, is on the floor in three total games for the program last season, or four total, I guess, if you count the opener when he was on for two minutes. Um, just a bad, bad luck right there. So I have Missouri at 53. I probably would have had him about 41 or 42 if, if Porter had been in the mix there overall. And on the back, of, back end of the top 100, I've got a number of mid-major teams, just to kind of come full circle and give a little bit of mid-major love here. I think you're going to have a number of teams from one-bid leagues that are going to be pretty dangerous when we get to – when we get to March, uh, Vermont, I have 85th. They should be really, really good. Texas, San Antonio. That's not out of, I don't even know if CS, CUSA will actually be a one big league this year. I've got WKU 45th, as I said. Uh, Texas, San Antonio should be really, really good out of CUSA. And then there's UC Irvine, Wofford with Fletcher McGee. By the way, UNC plays at Wofford to open the season. That's freaking awesome. And Fletcher McGee is a, a potential future pro. Definitely one of those teams on the mid-major level that you should be following, keeping track of. McGee uh, could have a fantastic year. And I don't expect him to be Steph Curry-ish in his overall impact, but I will say if he is so great and Wofford wins its league, he I think he's got... Uh, Somewhat of a long shot, but a shot to be like a third-team All-America type. Keep an eye on that. DeMarcus Simons, a player we had on our top 101, is on Georgia State. I've got them 94th overall. Feel free just to go. Give it a click. Um, 
Let me know where you thought I got some teams right, some teams wrong. I've heard Arizona State at 60 is a bit too low. I, they lost a lot. I got to see on that. And then to my surprise when I did this, Parrish, you know, the A-10, which you've written about recently on the site and you were at their media day, I've got St. Joe's 49, St. Louis 50th. I couldn't quite decide, but I guess I did St. Joe's a little bit better than the other. Uh, the A-10 could really, really use a boost this year. I hope I'm wrong in that we get one of those two teams that are top 40 quality. I'm just not all in on them. And then the highest-ranked mid-major, the highest-ranked team from what is – reasonably to be expected a one bid league i didn't i didn't consider western kentucky that it is buffalo at 48 which obviously wrecked arizona in the tournament last year now last thing i've got st john's 20 you don't have them in the your your rankings and then the highest team you have in your rankings that i don't have uh in my top 25 or even my top 30 are the Maryland Terrapins, who I have 32nd. Uh, Kevin Herter was awesome for this team last year. Anthony Cowan's coming back. I do think he can be really, really good. Maybe Bruno Fernando makes a big bump, but I just wanted to close on on those two teams that I think we have the biggest difference in opinion of. Just, it's marginal, but among teams that we think are going to get to the tournament, I'm a lot higher on St. John's than you, and then you are um, somewhat higher on Maryland than I am. Yeah, like obviously when I did the top 25 and one, um, Mustafa Heron was not eligible, although it always appeared that he, he would be. Um, I got no issue with you ranking St. John's preseason top 25. Like I, I could certainly, like they got two dynamic players. I mean, um, Heron and Pons have both been big time um, contributors uh, at, at the at the high major level. And so there's no reason to think that St. John's won't be good. I think, I think Chris is going to get that program uh, into the NCAA tournament, as uh, you know, with Maryland, obviously they lose Kevin Herter. That's not ideal. Um, but they, like you, they, you know, they got Anthony Cowan, who, as you note in your rankings, could be a top ten point guard in college basketball. And I really do think Bruno Fernando is going to have a breakthrough season. Like, I, if we were looking for somebody who, by mid January, people are going, "Oh, wow, that guy's way better than I thought he was going to be." Bruno Fernando might be that guy. Um, and so there's there's two big pieces right there. And, um, yeah, I, I think Maryland's a top 25 team. Although, you know, if you are in that 18 to 25 range, you know, you could end up being more like a top 40 team than a top, you know, 25 team. It, there's, there's not a whole lot of difference, you know, I think between a team ranked 22nd and 42nd, year in and year out, there's not that much difference. It really just comes down to once the game start, a win here, a loss there, whatever. Can I ask you one more question on one more team, see if you agree or disagree? Can I? Yeah, of course. Okay. How about this? I have Arizona 42nd. I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Of course, I've heard from Wildcats fans about this. Um, do you think Arizona makes the NCAA tournament? And really, do you agree if you had ranked a top 50, do you think that you would have put Arizona somewhere where I have them or maybe a little bit higher? Keep in mind how much they lost from last season. I would have them probably lower than you have them. I mean, they lost everything. You know, like – they, they really went through it. Now, they're going to bounce back more quickly than I think anybody anticipated because Sean's got an incredible recruiting class set to enroll. I really did think all of this stuff, um, losing book, um, having you know their, their program you know, drugged through it a little bit, I, I thought it would have a bigger impact on recruiting than it has. It just clearly doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it, it is wild. Like, on the same day that... I think the same day the verdicts came down, like Maryland, you know, got a top 100 kid. Like the how much this stuff matters to people like you and I, all, the trial, the FBI, all that's the scandal. It doesn't seem to be hurting anybody that that's had that's been tied up in it when it comes to recruiting. Like USC's got 
you know, top five class. Arizona's got a top five class. Maryland's still recruiting at a high level. Um, you know, Kansas is the preseason number one team in the country. It just hasn't it hasn't affected the basketball. Oh, like Louisville is recruit like got five top one hundred commitments. It it really hasn't a it, it doesn't seem to matter to recruits or the families of recruits at all, which is a little surprising to me. So Arizona's gonna bounce back, but I don't think they're bouncing back this season. I think they, they probably missed the NCAA tournament. Probably, and the Pac-12 is going to be a total crapshoot. I don't think it'll be a top-five league, and hard to tell beyond Oregon, maybe Washington, maybe UCLA. We'll see what teams are actually going to be of top-50 quality. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle, the legend. Shouts to Larnell. And remember, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. You can do that via Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't, I mean, Jesus Christ, I tell you every every episode, please go do it. At this point, like if you're really, how long are we into this thing here? If you're really the type of person who's going to listen to 45 minutes of college basketball talk, the least you could do is uh, go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nothing but nice comments. That's all we ask. And we will talk to you again next week. Remember, we're going to do two more podcasts next week. And then the subsequent week, um, Champions Classic, is that Tuesday night. I think it's 11 days from today. And that is when we will start our normal three-week, three-time-per-week schedule with the Island College Basketball Podcast. So if you haven't subscribed yet, go do that. And we're going to talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.